Open your Bibles to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 2, beginning, I want to read verse 18. Nehemiah chapter 2, Nehemiah chapter 2, amen. In verse 18, those of you who have not been here for the whole series, I'll bring you up to speed, amen. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 18, if you'd stand for the reading of God's word. I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable to me and also about the king's words which he had spoken to me. Then they said, let us arise and build. So they put their hands to the good work. I want to talk about this morning an appeal to those who say it can't be done. An appeal to those who say it can't be done. Amen? Come on, let's pray together. Thank you so much today, Father, for your grace and mercy. I ask that you'd forgive us of our sins, clear our minds and hearts. I pray now that the presence and power of the Holy Spirit will be here with us, Lord. Stand in my body, think with my mind, speak with my voice, cancel the schemes and plans of the enemy, and bless the hearts now of your people as they receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank God. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, to those who say it can't be done. Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise, y'all. Amen. Thank you, ushers. Amen, amen, amen. How many of you know you got haters? Amen. How many of you know you got people who look at what you're trying to do and they and they and watch this? They say, I don't know how you're gonna do that. See, that's what the problem is. Amen. God didn't call you to do it, he called me to do it. Amen. And oftentimes in this journey, Amen. There are things that God is calling us to do that seems literally, it seems literally impossible. Do I have anybody? Many times we fail to attempt something big simply because we feel like the task is too difficult or we don't have the resources or the people to accomplish what God is clearly telling us to do. Do I have anybody? Oftentimes, if you listen to people, you probably would never attempt something bigger than where you are. Folks say, oh, well, you need this, or you need that, or you need this, and you don't have all the pieces that you need in order to attempt something big. How many know we walk by faith and not by sight? How many believe that in order for you to do something, all the facts may not be there, but guess what? You have to walk by faith no matter what it looks like. How many believe this morning, amen, that no matter how you may feel this morning, amen, that you're going to have some naysayers around you? How many believe that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or even think. How many believe that 
the word of God is true and God is able to help you no matter what it looks like. Somebody here this morning, I want to tell you something and I, I keep saying this, stop accepting your life and do something about your life. Do I have anybody? And oftentimes it's the people who say it can't be done, amen, are the ones, amen, that been holding you down for a long time. I believe that if you put your mind to anything, it, it, all things are possible with God. Amen. Nehemiah had everything he needed. He had everything he needed to do the job, but he lacked one thing. And the one thing that he lacked, the most important thing that he lacked was people. Amen. Nehemiah had the king's approval. He had the materials. He had the plan but touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, it can't be done without people. Amen. Tell your neighbor, you're going to need some people in your life. Amen. Tell your neighbor, you can't be suspicious of everybody. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got to know who to trust. But here's the thing. You're going to need people in order to help you to accomplish the vision. Do I have anybody? I want to tell you something. God will position you in a place, amen, and he'll put the people in your life. But here's the thing. Don't be the kind of person that want yes people around you all the time. Do I have anybody? I'm making an appeal today to those who say it can't be done. And then, and watch this. Oftentimes, those who say it can't be done, if you can convince them that it can be done, they'll be your biggest supporters. Do I have anybody? See, people are afraid to try new things because they don't have the vision that God has given you. Amen. God gives the visionary a vision. And, and watch this, he births the vision in them, but here's the thing, it's up to the visionary to cast the vision correctly. Do I have anybody? Many of us, amen, have been disappointed by people. Amen. And, may, and, and watch this, and maybe that's why we've decided that we don't need people. Oh, I wish I had you. Maybe that's the reason why we feel like we can do this all by ourselves. Can I tell you what happened to me many years ago? Amen. I spoke to a young man. Uh, uh, well, he, he was mentored by John Maxwell. John Maxwell is the author of leadership. He wrote a lot of leadership books. And so I reached out to his, one of his uh, partners, one of his writing partners, and I spoke to him. And, and, and I spoke to him, I said, listen, I'm trying to help, I'm trying to grow my church, I'm trying to, you know, do greater things. He said, you know, I began to talk to him, he said, Pastor, you know what the problem is with you? The problem is you feel like you have to do everything by yourself. That was a defining moment in my life and in the life of this ministry. Because I realized something, but because people had let me down so much. I'm talking to somebody. People had, amen, turned their backs. People who made promises and didn't fulfill it. And then I said, you know what? I don't need people to help me. I'll do it all by myself. And what I found out is that I started to weary myself out. Amen. I started getting weary. I started getting tired. And I, amen, because I really thought I could do it all by myself. Touch your name and say, you can't do it by yourself. You're going to need people. 
And, and as Dan Ryland told me this, and as I began to reevaluate where I was, I realized that I do need people. I realize that not everybody, amen, will understand the vision because people reject, watch this, what's foreign. People will reject. If I say I want to reach the world for Jesus and you say, yeah, okay, well, show me how you're going to do that. Amen. If I say I want to build a building and folk look at me like, well, how are we going to do it? We ain't got no money. Listen, that's not our concern. If God gave you a vision, if God gave you something to do, don't you worry about those details. Trust God that he'll bring, make a way out of no way. How many know he can make a way out of no way? How many know, amen, that God, amen, owns everything? He owns a cat on the hill. The earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof, and they that dwell in it, nothing is hard for God. And as I look at Nehemiah, as he is, I told you last week that he, he, had, uh, he had surveyed the land. He went out in his midnight stroll. Amen. I told you last week that he was cautious with the vision. You have to protect your vision. Amen. I told you last week that he could not continue without gathering the facts. I told you also that he had to be careful who to trust. But not only that, his call for help. You see, oftentimes we can't get ahead because we won't ask for help. Amen. And I want to say this to somebody here this morning. Amen. That no matter what it may look like right now, you got to believe that God has birthed something in you that he wants to bring forth that will change, watch this, your world, that will change your environment, that will change the people around you. But tell your neighbor again, neighbor, I got to tell you one more time, you can't do this by yourself. Amen. You, I'm going to say it one more time. You can't do this by your what? Self. And to those who say it can't be done, I got news for you. It can be done. And no matter how, you know, when we started in school and when we played sports and whatever we, whatever we got involved in, amen, maybe someone deposited a negative seed in you. And maybe someone told you that you will always be a nothing. Come on, somebody. Maybe no one built you up. Amen. Maybe no one was there to encourage you. But sometimes you got to learn, like David said, you got to learn how to encourage yourself in spite of what it looks like. Amen. In spite of what things may, how you feel, you got to learn how to pull yourself up. Nehemiah had been in Jerusalem for three days and he surveyed the situation and he was getting ready to do the work. But if you look at verse 18, he says, then he opened his mouth. Verse 18, look at it. He says, I told them. What, what did he tell them? He told them how the hand of my God. Tell somebody, I got the hands of God on me. 
And when the hands of God is on you, guess what? No matter what the devil may try to do to steal from you, to destroy you, you got to believe that the hands of God is with you. Because watch this, when the hands of God is with you, you have his protection, you have his power, you have his provision. Come on, somebody, and you have his peace. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I'm preaching to myself today. Listen, the Bible says that Nehemiah, before he told them about what he was going to do, he said, let me straighten out some stuff real quick. He said, let me tell you something. He says, the hand of my God, he made it personal. He says, the hand of my God had been favorable to me. May I ask you a question? Is God's hands on your vision? Come on, is God's hands on your life? Because it will be clearly seen and understood first by you and then by others. So here's the thing for those who say it can't be done. The first thing you got to look at this is this. The first thing is this. Watch this. He was clearly what? Favored by God. Now, let me help you with something. When you have the favor of God, people will recognize it. I'm going to say it one more time. When you have the favor, listen, when you have favor, you don't need money. I'm going to prove that in a minute. When you have favor and when you have the hands of God upon what he's calling you to do, you don't have to worry about anything because God's favor, watch this, will position you right where you need to be in order to accomplish the things that he's calling you to do. Listen, to those who say it can't be done, you got to remember that when you have the favor of God, you don't need money to bring the vision to pass. You don't need anything to bring the vision to pass because God is already working behind the scenes through you and in you to position you where he wants you. Do I have anybody? The Bible says, Nehemiah said, listen, and, and watch this. If you don't recognize the favor of God on you, oh my gosh. See, Nehemiah did not say it was my skill. It was my doing. It was because I convinced the king or I manipulated the king to give me what I need. Saints, I want to tell you something. I walk in that favor. And you got to tell your neighbor, you got to start walking in that favor. You got to start expecting that favor because wherever you put your foot, the Bible says you will succeed. And watch this, Nehemiah understood something before God can do something big through me. I got to be able to have the capacity to handle his favor because his favor will cause you to step back and say, man, wow. Do I have anybody? Nehemiah, Nehemiah understood something about himself. And here's the thing. If you and I don't recognize his favor upon our lives, how many of you have his favor on your life? 
Come on, somebody. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you really got his favor. You recognize that if it had not been for, oh, come on, help me. Y'all going to make me preach up in here today. Listen, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, listen, stop walking around with your head hung low. Stop walking around thinking that you're not a child of God just because you fall into sin. Hello, somebody. You have the favor of God. And Nehemiah said, I told them first, amen. He clearly had the favor of God. I've watched people in my life. I've watched God favor people. I've watched God favor people, but watch this. I've watched people with favor, watch this. They don't even recognize their favor. Because, watch this. After they receive from God, watch this, they don't commit to God. See? And oftentimes, if you don't even recognize it, how can you walk in it? Nehemiah said, first of all, I have the hands of God been favorable to me. That word favorable simply means fair. Come on, somebody. It, it also means God has given me his best. Touch your neighbor and say favor means his best. T tell your neighbor favor means he's fair. Come on somebody. Favor means not only is he fair, but it also means he's generous. Come on somebody. Do I have anybody here where you can truly say God has been generous to me? I don't, listen, I don't deserve what I have. Amen. I, 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 listen, listen, if, if, if when I think about it, amen, I know I don't deserve it, but yet God keeps giving it to me. Come on. See, you know what? Here's the thing. If you don't appreciate or, watch this, or even recognize you're walking in favor, amen, how can you truly give God glory for it? And I believe that's what the problem is with most of us. Listen, notice the point is he was clearly favored by God. The people, listen, I've watched some people. I can look at them. I said, man, the favor is on their life. They don't even, it's not about what they drop. It's not about how much, what kind of suit they wear. Amen. Warren Buffett, you wouldn't even know he's Warren Buffett. Amen. He, he drives a little, a little Lexus, 1997 Lexus. Pulls up to McDonald's every day and he owns the same sandwich every day. Warren Buffett, who's a billionaire, in case you didn't know who Warren Buffett is. He is Mr. Stock Market. Amen. And so, but, but you can tell that there's favor upon his life. May I ask you something? Have you been overlooking the favor that God has put on your life? Nehemiah, Nehemiah said, listen, first of all, the hand of my God has been favorable upon me. Watch what he says next. He says, and also, amen, he told them about the favor of God, right? But then he told them, I, he told them also about the what? The king's what? Words which he had spoken to me. Now remember, Nehemiah cupbearer, amen, he was equivalent to the guy that would sweep the floor. 
But in the king's service, he needed character for his position. Oh, I just said something. He needed to be loyal. He needed to be able to have integrity. He was able, he should be able to be trusted. And I found out that if you have these characteristics, you qualify for favor. Are you with me? So not only did he clearly have the favor, he was clearly favored by God, but the next thing it was, he had the commitment of the king. I'm going to show you something. God will put some kings in your path. Come on, help me somebody. I'm going to say that one more time. God will put some what? Kings in your path that can authorize the things that need to be done. Watch this. Without you even doing anything. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, I need some kings in my life. Come on, somebody. Listen, he will put the right people in your path to bring the vision to pass. Now, Nehemiah could have been a cupbearer to another king. He could have been a cupbearer to somebody else, but God knew the right person to put him in his path. He had been in the king's service for over 25 years, but it was time that God took the enemy and made him his footstool. Come on, somebody. And God used the king to favor him. You know, we got a king, and his name is Jesus. I wish I had somebody. And let me tell somebody something. When you have the commitment of the king, it doesn't matter what the banks may say. Come on, somebody. It doesn't matter what your job may say. It doesn't matter what your credit look like. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to help you with something. Here's the thing. But when you got some kings in your path, guess what? It doesn't matter. God will bring it to pass either way. God will work against man's will because his will is greater than man's will. The king is equivalent to the bank. The king is equivalent, amen, to God positioning you around people with power. Oh, I wish I had somebody. You see, in order for you to attempt something big, You got to remember one thing. Amen. You're going to need people. But not only are you going to need people, you're going to need some kings in your corner. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to need some kings in my corner. Come on, come on, come on. When you go to work tomorrow, I want you to pay attention. See, they're there. You just haven't been paying attention to them. Listen, you've been complaining about the king, but what if you get to know the king? I'm talking about Jesus. (laughs) Amen. See, God works through people, and God uses people in authority, watch this, to eventually bring his will to pass. Are you seeing that? It's in the text. Look at the text. Look what he says next. It text says, and not only has God been favorable, but the text says he spoke to me. He says he told them all that the king has spoken to me. Look what they said next. It says, then they said, hmm. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, 
they caught it. <laughs> Tell your neighbor they caught it. See, see, watch this. You know one of the hardest things to do as a pastor is to cast vision. Give me my next point. What did he do? Now, why did I say he cast the vision clearly? Because of what they said. Then they said, let who? Us. Do what? Uh, what? Let, let, me, let me help you with something. When you've been sitting in the ash heaps of life and the ruins of life for a long time, you need a visionary. Come on, somebody. That can cast the vision clearly so that you can realize that you can do better with yourself. And here's the thing. You don't need a whole lot of people. You just need a few people who can catch the vision. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, have you caught the vision yet? You see, their response suggests not only did they catch the vision, but they believed the vision. Nehemiah said, the king gave me everything I need. Nehemiah said, listen, God's hands was favorable upon me. Nehemiah said, listen, y'all, I went down and I got all the material. I didn't, it didn't cost me a dime. But watch this, Nehemiah said, everything is in place, but here's what I need. I need a few people who say it can't be done to rise up and catch the vision. You see, they had lost their vision for living. He cast Hallelujah. The vision very clearly that they were willing to try, hallelujah, the impossible. Notice they said, let us arise, which suggests that they were sitting all the while. Somebody here this morning, I want to tell you something. You've been sitting down too long. And it's time. You need something. You need a bigger vision for your life. You need something bigger than you to realize that there's a big world out here. And God has put you in his plans. Do I have anybody here this morning who's willing to catch the vision? Somebody here this morning, you haven't caught the vision yet. So that's the reason why you walk around with your head hung low. But I want to tell you this morning that God is casting vision for your life. He really wants you to stand up and stop living a mediocre life. He wants you, hallelujah, to attempt something big. But you need a vision that's bigger than you. You need somebody in your life who can tell you about the favor of God. Do I have anybody here who is willing to arise? Hallelujah. Who's willing to stand up? That's what that word really means. It means to stand up and stop accepting your life. Stop letting your life go past you. Stop talking about what everybody else is doing and tell your neighbor, neighbor, I got a vision from God. 
caught the vision and I'm ready to rise up and do something about where I am. I'm tired of watching everybody else get ahead of me while I sit back and accept things the way it is. Today, God says, you have to catch the vision. Hallelujah. To his holy name. This word, this word arise. This word arise. It means, watch this, it means with certainty when I arise. Hello, somebody. I can see clearly. So that word means. It means to cliff, go from dim to clear. And what Nehemiah did is that he cast the vision so clearly that he did not have to do any more convincing. May I ask you something? Why does God have to keep convincing you that he's real? He's real. Nehemiah didn't have to say anything else. He did not have to coerce them. He did not have to push them. He didn't have to pump them. Guess what? Because the vi- But let me tell you something about vision. Vision leaks. We know what we want to do with this church. Come on, somebody. We know, we know what we want to do. We know what we want to do. We want to grow this year, right? Come on, somebody. We want to grow by 30. I just said 30. I just said 30 people. I just said, Lord... Lord, we want to grow by 30 people. We start off the year with five. Ain't that something? Now we got 20. We need 25 more people. We want to complete the purchase of this building. We want to renovate this building. We want to use it seven days a week, six days a week. I ain't working on Sunday. Amen. Watch this. For his glory. How many of you can truly say you caught the vision? Come on, come on, come on, come on. Because if you caught the vision, you support the vision. Come on, somebody. And if you've caught the vision, you would live out the vision. See? So you have to have a vision statement for your life. Woo, I just said something. You have to have a vision statement. Something you're living for. Something that God has birthed in you. That he wants to bring to pass. Nehemiah didn't have to pump people a prime. This is going to help you later on in life. Listen, folk that keep talking about, well, tell me that again. What, what, what you say we're going to do now? Come on, help me, somebody. I mean, I mean, what you say? Listen, listen. They, obviously, they're ignoring the vision. So you know what I found about church folk? No. If it's not about us, have you ever thought about this? There are people dying in countries right now. There are refugees trying to come to this country because they're dying. Because they don't have opportunities like we do. That's just one issue. But do you know that we have the most powerful thing in the world, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ? Kryptonite can't, 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 can't compare to that. Black Panther can't compare to that. I understand all that. But the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many missionaries do we have in here? 
Amen. How many people are willing to take up the cause for Christ? But, but I bring that point up to say this. There are a lot of people living in the ashes of life. These people went from being depressed. Listen to this. They did not have the glory of God anymore. They did not have the temple anymore. But they had accepted. Somebody here, you've accepted your life. You're comfortable sitting down and being like everybody else when you're extraordinary. And you have extraordinary gifts. And you have extraordinary talents. And you have extraordinary things from God. But here's the thing. But you've accepted that you've been hurt. I know you've been hurt. Come on, help me somebody. You've been scarred. And you're living like the children of Israel. You're living, the walls are broken down. The gates are broken down. You know what that means? You have no protection. You're wide open. I'm ministering to you now. Watch this. And you're just living your life. Every day you're going through the same routine. Every day doing the same thing. I'm accept, this is the way life's going to be. I'm broken. This is the way life's going to be. I'm hurt. This is the way life's going to be. This, this is it. But let me say something. It's time to stop playing that card. You know what you got to do? You got to arise. You got you to arise. You got to arise. Listen, God has been trying to give you the vision, but you've been rejecting the vision. And oftentimes when we reject the vision, we feel like where we are is the best place. But it's not. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. They had lost the vision for living. Think about it for a minute. Now, let me, historically, let me tell you what Israel was. The powerhouse of the world. And now, after 70 years in Babylon, watch this. They came back home and they started building. But obviously they needed a visionary. They needed someone who would say, the favor of God is with me. The commitment of the king. I got kings in my corner. Tell your neighbor I got kings in my corner. Watch for them. Don't need, listen, listen. I got some kings in my life that God has strategically placed there, right? All I got to do is make a phone call. Kings. Need stuff done. Kings. Come on, somebody. Tell you, Debbie, you can't do it by yourself. As much as you want to do it by yourself, you can't. I used to think I had to do everything. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. And then let me, let, me, let me say this. When you release things to people to do it, back off. Stop micromanaging them. Let them do it. Let them do it. Eventually, they'll do it your way if you keep casting. Listen, here, here's how you can get them to do it your way. You ready for this? Here's your standard. 
excellence. That's all you got to say. Say it together. Excellence. Stop turning in work that does not reflect the king. Come on, somebody. Stop doing things, watch this, that does not reflect Christ-likeness. If it ain't done right, do it over. Watch this last point. I'm going to sit down. And I believe this last point. I believe this last point. Watch this. It says, they said, they made the, they said, let us arise and build. Look what it says. Look what it says. So they put their hands to the what? Here's the thing. If you don't see what you're doing as good, then who's going to see it as good? Watch this. Everything you're doing in the kingdom will follow you to eternity. Somebody say, I used to serve in church. Why do you say used to? You, you got stuff inside of you you could be doing. But remember this. All this stuff you're doing here on earth right now, apart from the kingdom, it ain't going nowhere with you. But if you walk in here and you pick up this thing right here on the floor, it's recorded. My service. This is my service to God. If you move a chair, it's my service. That's recorded. But here's my last point. Not only did he cast the vision clearly, I believe this. How many committed people we have? Stop questioning your leader. Oh, I just said something. Stop being suspicious of your leader because you were hurt 15 years ago. And you can't get past it. That's why you can't get his favor. You can't get the oil from Aaron's beard falling down on you. Stop being suspicious of your leader. Here's the thing. When you look at your leader and you see his, the favor on him, it's all you need. See, people work because they see the favor of God. He had the commitment of the people. And may I say this to you today? Watch this. Watch this. They knew that their leader was anointed. They knew that their leader was favored by God. Here's a man who went from a cupbearer. Stop looking at what he did in the past. Come on, somebody. And look at what God is doing in the present right now. Stop looking at him as your homeboy. Stop looking at him as your, your, your buddy. He ain't your buddy. He's your leader. Hey, buddy. Man. Now look at him as anointed and favored. Watch this. They knew that the same king, amen, they knew that the same king that committed to destroying the wall was the same king who was committed 
through Nehemiah to rebuild the wall. Is that powerful? So it had to be what? God working through who? Nehemiah. Mash something as I close. What would it take for you to commit? Henry Box Brown is what they call him. In 1856, Henry Brown, a slave in Richmond, Virginia, decided he didn't want to be a slave anymore. Henry Brown found himself a box, a small wooden crate, and postmarked it to an abolitionist in Philadelphia, which was free territory. Henry Brown got into the box, sealed the box from the inside, and mailed himself to Philadelphia. Henry Brown was banking on the U.S. Postal Service to deliver him. He was in slavery and needed to be delivered. The abolitionist got the crate, and when they opened the box, Henry Brown stood up after being in that box for three weeks and said, How do you do, sir? My name is Henry Brown, and I was a slave. I heard about you being an abolitionist, so I'm entrusting my future to you. This was a big risk. It was an oxygen risk, a risk of being discovered, and a risk of going hungry. But when Henry Brown stood up in Philadelphia, He was a free man. Henry Brown rejoiced because the risk was worth the reward. Living a committed Christian life involves taking risks. Come on, somebody. It involves having faith that Jesus is going to come through for you. But living a Christian life, a committed Christian life, is a risk that is well worth it. And I want to say this to somebody here today. Until you catch the vision, until you stop saying it can't be done, and until you can follow your leader, you're going to stay right there in those ruins.